0: and welcome to the Change Makers Podcast, where we chat with interesting and engaging individuals here and far about change, making change, living change in their own lives, how they've experienced unimaginable change, and innovative ways people uplift the lives of others. We chat about triumphs over tragedies, Mindset Matters and How We Live Out Our Life's Purpose Inspirationally. So please join us to be inspired and empowered to be the change you want to see in this world. You know, we can all be change makers in our lives. Here's to the change you're about to bring forth. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Kimberly Rice coming to you, Chief Changemaker of Changemakers, where we create bold lives and careers. And today I could not be more excited to welcome our uh, friend and fellow business owner, Louise Reed from our um, neighbor in the north in Ontario, Canada. Um, And so I want to welcome you, Louise, to our show today. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Um, So I would like for you to share, let's start right off and share with our listeners a bit about yourself, a few insights into your professional journey.
1: You bet. So I always like to start and say that I'm a mama. I'm a mom to four boys uh, and I am a a professional who is still in the process of becoming. Um, And so if I rewind the clock a little bit and try to make it quick, because I am 45 years old, so there's a lot of history there. I got a university degree in biology and knowing I never wanted to set foot in a lab ever again, that wasn't for me. I st- it started on my, my journey of figuring out who I was and who I wanted to be. I ended up landing at human resources and had a wonderful career in HR, which exposed me to many aspects of um, humanity. Um, and I took pieces of what I loved about that experience and pieces about what I, well, you know, the the sort of expression, you sometimes learn more about what you don't want to do through these life experiences. So together, after having what I call a midlife awakening at 40 years old, I started my own business and now really focus on three primary things. And that's, I'm an empowerment coach for women wanting to level up in their life. Um, I am a leadership consultant for workplaces, wanting to humanize leadership and I'm a radio show host for all.
0: Mm. Um, fascinating. So um, it's interesting because it sounds like we've had somewhat similar paths <laughs> um, as far as I started my first business when I was 45. Um, and it's interesting, and, and you may see this in your work, I know I do in mine, is um, as females and um, high-achieving women, You know, we do all the things that we are told to do in school, and we know how to study to attest and to make good grades. But once we're out um, without those bumpers and those guardrails, sometimes it's difficult to find our way, particularly in male-dominated fields. I know that was the case for me and a lot of the clients that we work with, but I'm curious, um, what, what exactly does a chief empowerment officer do?
1: I work with women to get them to unpack who they are. I Really, I get more in touch with who who they are. They've lost themselves. Many of these high achievers, like you were saying, I mean, I could just to echo everything that you said is so true. Through years and years of wanting to keep up with the Joneses to check the boxes, to do all the right things. Uh, I think that certainly I have, and a lot of the women that I work with, lose sight of their own identity. Mm -hmm. And uh, trying to figure out who you actually are when you've gone through years of ignoring who you are is a very difficult process for a variety of reasons. One, because you often don't know how to figure that out. And then secondly, it's it's pretty devastating. When you actually come to the realization that I've done all the things I said I wanted to do by the time I got to this point in my life, I have all the things I've got the kids, I've got the husband, I've got the great job and I'm miserable and I don't, and I'm, and I'm lost. So those are the women that I help. So self-discovery and, you know, unpacking, peeling back the layers is the first part. The second piece I really focus on is the, the mindset and, the self-talk. Uh, we have an inner narrative that can be um, a really, it can be an inner mean girl. Um, and mine is called Sally. And so I have lots of conversations with Sally and uh, helping women identify who their Sally is and it, you can choose other. And then it's really about making the action, taking the action and making it happen. I find a lot of people uh, focus on the action piece, which is great. Action is great. You don't get anywhere without taking action.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's a lot of work to do before you take action.
0: Oh, gosh. Yes, you're, sing- <laughs> you're singing my song. Um, you know, I, for almost 20 years, I worked in law firms, in corporate law firms here in the Philadelphia area and before that i was in banking for several years and if there were ever a work environment corporate cautious conservative um, stuffy the the antithesis of innovative um, and embracing the strong female talent it would be that Ball for profession. And I think it's really true now in the work that we've done now for some time, we see that really across the um, business sectors of professional services, not only in legal services, but financial services, banking, architecture, engineering, um, and all the STEM, you know, I mean, yeah. God bless these women in STEM. Uh, I, I, oh, my God, just, oh, my God. <laughs> um, and <laughs> and and what happens and this is something you know that we've done a lot of search research and study and field experience in and you know unless you take a definitive look forward and deep dig deep 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 and i didn't even recognize this in my own work experience is because of the male domination and i don't necessarily mean that in a negative way mm-hmm. but there are just more white males because that's how we have evolved and women have truly only begun to explode into the workplaces in the probably in the 70s
1: yeah
0: Uh, you know so it's only been you know like 30 plus 40 years which is not a long time historically but because there was it has been so much male energy Mm -hmm. you know, the masculine energy that's associated with, you know, competitiveness and aggression and um, survival and everything's about action and logic and reason, (laughs) that when women enter into that space um, and are in that space for years and decades, I think that that's one of the reasons why we kind of lose ourselves because from the feminine energy of nurturing and emotional awareness and expression of communication is because not only is it not valued because the masculine energy is so dominant, but it's actually discouraged and, in, in my experience, strongly dissuaded.
1: Uh, yes, to all of that. And our systems you know, our structures, our systems, our policies, our norms are all built on what you just said, that masculine model. And to your point, I, I also don't say that from a place of blame or shame, just more of a, that worked then because it right. was typically white men who created these systems and structures and policies for who? White white men, because that's right. who was exactly. mainly the workforce. So of course they would. Totally makes right. sense. <laughs>
0: right.
1: But that's not what exists now. So there's time for some change.
0: Change. I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that was not intentional.
0: (laughs) You know, it's so funny because, um, you know, when I formed my new company, Change Makers, I can't even tell you how much time and research and self-reflection and self-assessment and corporate research, that I and my team did to arrive at that word, change makers. Mm. Um, Because I know as a marketer and I've been a marketer for, you know, probably most of all my life that, you know, the name of a company that's going to be easily branded needs to be short, simple, memorable, um, malleable. So you can do lots of messaging around it. Um, But, I arrived at that word for a lot of different reasons <clears throat> and um, and I couldn't love it more. But then once I, we settled on the name, then I'm thinking, yeah, but people hate change. <laughs> people resist change. Um, and, you know, the, going through the whole, um, what do you call it? The cocooning um, and until the, until the butterfly and all the metamorphosis that have to happen. But if you look at it, I mean, isn't that what we're, that's happening right this very minute mm-hmm. on our planet?
1: Mm-hmm. We're actually designed for change. Right. So it's very interesting how we resist it. Because if you think about how, even when we grow up from when we're born and and, 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 and as we, as we grow, we, uh, oh my gosh, talk about change. Yeah. And I think that I don't have a lot of uh, I'm not done a lot of reading or research into this part of it, but I feel like we create resistance to change in our kids. And so they become adults resistant to change because kids aren't naturally change averse. Kids are curious.
0: Right. Well, I th- I think in, in my world, I mean in the having grown up, born and grown, grown born and grown in the United States. Um, particularly as a female versus a male, we're taught to be risk adverse. Mm. We're taught that change is scary and uncertain and can be dangerous. Um, it can uh, jeopardize our health and well-being. Um, you know, so it's it's all about the messaging from the media and the society. Um, and I could go on, but but out of change and I I will say are you familiar with the um the name Dr. Wayne Dyer
1: Oh my gosh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely
0: Oh my God. I love Wayne Dyer he's no longer with us on mm-hmm. this planet but mm-hmm. he is he is here um and I have been a student of his for um and, and just to let the listeners know Wayne Dyer is a When he was on this planet, he was an amazing, um, unprecedented spiritual teacher um, of one of the greatest, um, best-selling authors of of all time in the area of personal development um, and change, really, Mm -hmm. uh, in a number of different ways. But the reason that I raise his name right now is um, I was in New York years before he passed away, which I think he's passed away maybe four or five years ago um, in at his home in Maui. And one of the things he said during this um, conference that I was attended, and then I heard many times uh, on his recordings, was that about change, you know, he he kept he said he kept a picture of his 21 year old self on a bathroom wall. And he did that to remind himself that there's not one cell of his, what was 74 year old body that remained the same as that 21 year old young man Mm -hmm. because of change, you know how the cellular reproduction and the personal development and our life experiences and how we come in, you know, contact with, um, figuratively with people through our lives that you know bring um, lessons to our lives. Um, and, we, and we change and grow, hopefully grow and develop from that. But I just thought that was so provocative and so profound.
1: I think that's one of the many things that was, was and continues to be so great in his work is, and I think like, like many teachers, regardless of what it is that you teach, but certainly for, for, uh, for Wayne Dyer, is this, the simplicity mm-hmm. and, and power of his messages.
0: Yes, I, absolutely. I agree. Um, so many good books, so many good teachers and lessons. I, they're all over YouTube, all over Amazon. Mm-hmm. I have a bookshelf full of them. Um, when he passed the, um, the Hay House, H-A-Y, Hay House, yeah. was his publishing company that they were um, giving away his books for free. Yeah. Um, and so I downloaded uh, probably a, a dozen of them um, and have them in my own personal library. Um, but so back to us. Um, yes. <laughs> and I, I'm curious um, from your work and from your unique perspective Uh, What do you see as the greatest challenges women professionals now face in the workplace?
1: I think that a lot of the challenges actually remain the same as what they have been. Mm. Uh, I, I, um, I see women still holding other women down. And I see, thankfully, I'm seeing a lot more men who are advocates for women in the workplace and really wanting to do their part in supporting their advancement. Mm -hmm. However, they're still staying quite silent. They will do it behind closed doors, but don't have the courage to speak up in more public settings where they may be at risk.
0: Yes, yes. That that public that poll of public opinion um, has such a um, death grip.
1: <laughs> it, it does. And I think it goes, and, and you know, the, the bigger sort of issue really even goes back to what we were chatting about when we were talking about the, uh, the masculine model. It's the systems and just our paradigm, our mental model of what the workplace looks like. Uh, Childcare, what the day looks like. Um, maternity leave for, for, for women is atrocious in the United States.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, how so is it
0: in, how is it in Canada?
1: We get one year off.
0: Oh, uh, after, after childbirth? After childbirth and
1: uh, it's paid, uh, you, you're on employment, so employment insurance, okay. um, which is, is like, um, I'm not sure what the equivalent is in, in but you get paid from the government it's a percentage of what your salary is, but it's around, it's around 50% of your salary, you get paid through the government uh, and your job is secure um, legally for one year. Wow. Um, and men are also allowed to take, um, so it's kind of split into two parts. One is maternity leave. So the, relating to the actual birth of the child, the child. so assuming that you have you know, some recovery time, the majority of it is considered parental leave. So either parent, can take the time and be paid.
0: Mm, Wow. You know, it's just, I see women um, who are in their family planning years um, that are pushing that off because they know how penalized they will be by their employers. I mean, it's a pretty well-known fact in many law firms across the United States that um, the male leadership, the management teams, you know, begin to devalue. And in fact, it impacts their recruiting Mm -hmm. um, on whether or not women are planning to have a family. And after the birth of the first child, you know, and the woman returns to work, sometimes two, three, four weeks after the birth of the child, But then death now is the birth of the second child mm. They're done. And you know the, the tricky thing about corporate I guess structure is because it ultimately still is so male-dominated and governed that you know they don't have, in my view, they don't have the courage to just call it what it is because that would be in the state's illegal or employment law perspective right but they but they do the what we i call the deep freeze they they freeze you out yeah um which is just it's just a sin it it causes so much stress um, it it really does it really does yeah
1: melinda gates i don't know if you've read her book the moment of lift Mm. i have her book right beside me um and i opened it up to a page which was appropriate and she she said we have to create a workplace that is compatible with family life because right now the way that workplaces are it pits your work against your family in a contest one side has to lose right
0: and that right there speaks to the masculine energy yeah and the and the abundance versus the lack yeah you know if if work wins then family loses and if family wins and work loses, right. versus why can't we just have win-win?
1: What could it look like? Right. right. To be curious, what else could work? What right. else could work? And I love that question. Actually, it's one of my favorite coaching questions: is what else?
0: Right. Well, it's interesting because right now, uh, at least in my lifetime, and I've I've been here for a while, <laughs> 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 a little longer than you have, and but in my lifetime, you know, right now with um, the coronavirus mm. and you know, we're sheltering in place and, you know, in the state of New Jersey, where I work and live, the governor has ordered us on essential lockdown of st- sh- what they're calling sheltering in place. Um, and only not uh, only essential workers are to be out and about and. It's causing tremendous strife. Schools are closed. Many businesses are furloughed and folks are trying to work remotely. I cannot, I am not a parent, a biological parent. I cannot even imagine how the parents are managing to school, homeschool their children and maintain their own work all under the same roof.
1: And that's it. You can't.
0: I mean, how in the world?
1: I don't even, under, I don't even know it, <laughs> it it's It's not working yeah. to, your, to answer that more more, uh, you know, specifically. I, I don't know what else there could be at this time. So that, I mean, the government's doing what, 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 they, what they can, but this is where, it's interesting. I was just on a phone call with a company that I'm consulting with right now and supporting, and the senior director of this particular group that I'm supporting, has asked me to put a task force together um, to identify how we can come up with better supports for parents. He threw out an idea. He says, I would have no idea if this is what the task force will determine is needed. But he said, what about, what if we actually hired someone to help curate all of these learning materials that are available online that could just give all of our employees great follow this curriculum, just follow this curriculum, just follow this one link, because we're in this state of overwhelm, we're in this state of fear. Um, And we know that when we're in those situations, our fear brain is not a place where we make good decisions, it's not a place where we are centered or grounded. Um, It's, you know, our, we have no connection to our heart it's not a good place to, right. to, to, to be living in so yeah so so there are it, it's a very very difficult time and i think that this is going to be where the there's really strong leaders rise
0: yes well i i on very from various resources i've been listening reading learning teaching as the marketer and the visionary, I see that yes, this is a tremendous um, a, a tremendous time of strife and stress and anxiety and isolation. but as a visionary, I see that it's almost like the pearl the oyster the pearl in the oyster that's getting compacted and stressed and stressed and stressed. And it's going to come a in the, that's going to develop into something hopefully beautiful and a new way of experiencing um our world, you know whether it's I don't know what it could be at this point, but I'm just curious you know for women high achieving women visionaries, change makers like us um you know that that persist and um move through um difficult times and crises. Uh, you know, what, what do you tell your clients as far as, you know, what's the end game here? What, what does success look like?
1: I think success looks like we've come out of this as better human beings, as better team members, and as a better company. I think that we, uh, we've lived with a lot and led our businesses uh, with a lot of head, mm-hmm. and we need to have that. Absolutely. But I think this is going to bring about more of a balance. I think more balance is going to be restored. Our world is crying for it in so many ways, socially, climate wise, um, you know, economically, uh, there's such an imbalance that I think that we're going to see more equalization across all of those domains. And so I see a huge opportunity for more of that feminine energy. And so, and female leaders, and then men as well, who, embody some of those characteristics already. And I'm just waiting for the opportunity to be able to let it shine. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're going to see. So we're going to have a rest of, you know, balance of the, the head and the heart, because there's a place for both in business. Compassion, compassion is um, a place. I have hope for seeing more of that in, in, in business.
0: Yes. You know, it's interesting. I just um, hosted an, a podcast recently with a fellow from Ohio who's quite well known, he's, his name is Jeffrey Tobias Halter, who is, I never had heard this title before. He's a gender strategist. Mm. Um, He has a background in working in consumer products, Coca-Cola. He was a head of diversity and, and, you know, obviously various positions and iterations, but he literally goes into organizations um, and deals with the white male leader <laughs> management committees and shows them how um, as a bottom line, you know, the competitive, the, the logic, how, how recruiting, training, developing and retaining women is better on the bottom line than developing and investing in men
1: (laughs) it's true and and i and i love that we see men doing that kind of work it's not just minorities that have to be doing the fighting the battle that they didn't sort of create in the first place Mm. um at the same time we've been talking about diversity and inclusion for 50 years started sort of in the, the education started in the seventies and eighties, and it changed, it morphed into the nineties when we talk more about unconscious bias. And the stats have been dismal in terms of the, what we're actually seeing, like how we're seeing the needle move. And so the research suggests that people's individual mindsets are being shifted, which is great because it has, starts there, right? But we talked about it a moment you know a few minutes ago about the courage and what we need I really believe and this is what my humanizing leadership approach was really focused on is we need leaders who are ready and willing to live into their values and identify and live to their purpose and have the courage to speak up especially when it's hard
0: Yes oh my gosh so from that unique perspective and your teaching what are some, some steps tips, advice that you give your clients, women, I suppose, and enterprises on how they can show up more boldly to develop a winning game plan uh, for, the work, for their workplaces and for their career paths?
1: Yeah. So I think there's, there's three main things that I, I focus on. I start with, you have to be able to lead yourself before you can lead others to lead the way. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I mentioned how my approach to supporting uh, women leaders was about peeling back the layers to really get in touch with their own identity. It's the same, th- same thing really with leading self. So I think leaders now Because we're expecting this of leaders now for a whole bunch of reasons which I've mentioned already some of the societal and social shifts that we're seeing There's an expectation and the demographic shift as well has been big for this There's an expectation that leaders show up differently. There's an expectation that we care more about the bottom line with our environment, etc. And so leaders have to do some inner work. So I like to know why are you a leader in the first place. What are your values? We see values posted on corporate websites and the walls of offices. And I know for years I was like, oh yeah, yeah, values, values. But we understand what your values are and what they mean and how you want to show up to others. Like what's the leader that you want to be? What do you want your legacy to be? And Legacy doesn't have to be anything massive and huge, just some things of significance to you, that I've created a world that I'm proud my kids will be part of and that I've contributed to that. Um, Whatever it may be, it might be larger than that. And so when when I find when leaders then are armed with that knowledge of of greater sense of self, their purpose and their values, when the time gets tough, that's when they have to have the self-awareness in the moment. to take a breath. And that's, that's, that's choice time. Then that's choice time. Do I choose what I know? Do I, do I lean into who I am right now? Or do I choose to be a sheep? So the leading self piece is really a a big piece that I've seen missing from a lot of the leadership work over the last number of years. It's not about information. It's about courageous leadership.
0: You know, that's so fascinating that you mentioned that. And um, from my uh, experience in working in professional services 20 years in house um, and working as, you know, uh, in law firms, I was on the, in the, what they called us, the non lawyer C suite. <laughs> so I. <laughs> You know, they don't even realize how offensive that is. <laughs>
1: right?
0: I'm sorry, I'm laughing because it's.
1: I don't know what else, to, how else to respond to that.
0: <laughs> so it was. You know, so I was. I was a chief marketing officer, and there's a chief financial officer, and a chief information officer, and and a couple of other teammates that were. You know, we had degrees, obviously, and we led departments. We had I had great balance, I had great budget responsibilities. Um, and I a part of my role was to um, work alongside the lawyers. I, uh, in one particular firm, I was tasked with developing the associate attorneys, the baby what they would call the baby attorneys <laughs> um, coming right out of law school up until um, I would say from 25 to say 35. Um, And by 35, if you are not making partner, then you need to make some other plans. Um, And so it was very fascinating at when I, you know, would work with the management committees to develop programming um, and development programming for that particular demographic of the law firm that the associates, senior, junior, and senior, no budget no budget for any outside anything no budget for me to purchase assessment tools Mm -hmm. um, for self-reflection self-assessment no inner work I mean it was all about how do we get the client and how do we get the money Um, all the masculine energy um, around that because that's what was valued. That's was. I'm not going to say that's the only thing that was valued, but it was certainly in the top two <laughs> things yeah. that were valued. And so it makes it. I think even it amplifies how much um, how much more difficult it is for women lawyers or women professionals um, in general that they're being forced to be something and someone that they're not really who they really are not. Yeah. And that, that can be, that's a very destructive force in a person's life.
1: Absolutely. Talk about knocking you off kilter. And then when you don't have, when, as the weeks and months and years pass, you lose the ability to connect with that person. and it's it's it is very very destructive. I remember as I was leading a, a diversity and inclusion team at a, a local utility that I worked at, I one of the training that I was fortunate to be a, a participant in uh, had some different uh, stations to simulate what it was like to have various disabilities, and. An experience, a humbling experience that was, and and the reason I'm bringing that up is, you know, here we are, you know, able-bodied individuals making decisions, say, about workplace design or the structure of a, the layout of a building, or and we don't have the people involved in the conversation who, right. who will be using, utilizing those services and making assumptions for them. And so, regardless of whether we're talking about a woman or whatever, whatever minority is not being represented in the workplace. That voice needs to be there. I think leaders need to look at, look around the room and say who is missing from this conversation. Right. And bring them to the table. Not just to be there as a as a as a as a as providing some input, but as a as a key stakeholder in in defining what the policy or what the workplace or whatever it is that's being discussed, what it is going to be, their decision maker in it.
0: Oh, I could not agree with you more. Um it, yeah i could not agree with you more and the, my this is one of the reasons that i change changemakers is because i've seen the lives of highly capable and accomplished women uh, basically be thrown to, to rubble because there's no mechanisms in place to elevate and uplift and empower them to become the leaders that they already are mm-hmm. Um, and and the firm, you know, and the firms the, 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 that that you know, the business oriented, male dominated fields don't embrace that. They don't develop that. They don't value that. They just basically suck them dry for what they can add to the bottom line. Um, and so you know that turns in from an individual perspective, a very micro perspective, to anxiety and stress and depression and substance abuse and relationship issues and all kinds of things. And so, you know, I saw, only saw when I left that world, that corporate world, you know, and began um, and started my own businesses that, oh my God, there's such a different way of being and still be a business leader.
1: And isn't that fascinating?
0: Yes, it is fascinating.
1: You know, I I never, regardless of how many times I hear this story, we all have a different path and a different journey, but messages are still the same. I continue to be moved and shocked and inspired all at the same time mm-hmm. by by it by it all. I really do.
0: Well, and that and so my my why of starting changemakers is like you. For 20 plus years, I've heard the same story, different person over and over and over. I mean, it's like the same story of these, you know, of the, of the, of us women who are so capable, who have accomplished great things that are may or may not be recognized in their specific area of workplace or whatever. And so, you know, one of the values and one of the, um, objectives of change makers is once we guide women professionals to do that self-reflection and assessment is to perhaps look dead straight in the mirror and say this doesn't work for me anymore Mm -hmm. and let me now do something different and maybe move out of this space into creating my own thing or something else.
1: But, it's funny. Um, it's yeah. funny you say that. Uh, the last company that I worked at before I started my own business, um, I had. I recall a conversation I was having with someone, and she was saying that she was trying to support me and help me. I'll be just clear, really clear about that. Yeah. Um, I was really challenged and having a, really, really stressed about a variety of things going on in the workplace, and and I really valued her opinion, her experience, uh, and so I was. I was asking her what. What, how I should try to navigate this. She said, look around the organization who is successful. Be like them. Mm-hmm. And, in, and in that moment, I realized, oh, it is not, there's nothing wrong with me. Right. This just isn't my, this is not, these are not my people. And I left. Right. It, was, it was so wonderful and freeing. So to your point about then finally, you know, when you've got a level of awareness, is then having the courage to then do something different with that
0: right and it's difficult because um because we as women sadly um those of us who have not taken the time or had created the sense of awareness um that um we're afraid of what people think of us we're we're concerned and afraid we have so many fears which are self-sabotaging um that are not really grounded in reality but yet perception which is can be troublesome Mm -hmm. um and so you like you uh, you know i'm here as a conduit and a mirror to show women to guide them along their way as a coach that you know no there's nothing wrong with you you're perfect exactly the way you are it is an environment that's trying to make you a square when you're a circle Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and let's let's embrace all your circleness.
1: <laughs> yep. I mean, I think we 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 walk a very thin line. You know, if if men are walking a balance beam and they have some flexibility, you know, in how they maneuver, we're walking on like this tiny tightrope. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's
0: exactly. so thin. It is, and I don't think because of historically, and you know, women of a certain age who have been in the workplace all their lives, and the men are always the bosses or the all final arbiters, and we don't really know anything different. It's difficult for us to imagine that what the different could be. Absolutely. And that's why there's so much need to embrace the women leaders, though so to embrace our unique brilliance as women change makers, and to have an inner uprising where we flip that paradigm. And we're absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
1: I need to say something to you. You said women of a certain age. As as and as as an aside, but it was it's it's, it's it is related. I don't know if it was Crave or Netflix. There is a comedy show that had it was two different um, evenings that were put together, all of women uh, comedians who were just incredible. It was a lineup of five women on each on each show, and it's called Women of a Certain Age. <laughs> you if, if, if who doesn't like to laugh and I think we need a little extra laugh in our life right now I highly recommend you Google that and find out how you can watch women of a certain age talk about women empowering women in a in a field where you know we don't see a lot of female comics and they are they are a minority in in that industry and it's not it's not been an easy journey for them so it was a really a really neat Uh, enjoyable show and just neat seeing some of the behind the scenes conversation and dialogue around the struggles that women have Mm -hmm. experienced in comedy.
0: Wonderful. Well, I want to be respectful of our time and our listeners time. So I have just a couple of what I think are fun questions here at the end as we wrap up. So Louise, I'm fascinated to learn about your why.
1: My why. Why do
0: you do this work?
1: Uh, My pain has become my purpose. I saw people in, I see people in pain. I see women in pain and I see women suffering. And so through my education and experience and passion and pain, and I put those in a blender that really, that's, that's what defined my why. And so um, more succinctly, my why is to empower women to take brave, bold action in pursuit of their dreams and goals.
0: Yes. Yes. Amen, sister. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it, Kimberly. (laughs) Um, If you could give your younger self, talking about certain age, um, if you could give your younger self one piece of professional advice, what would that be?
1: It's something I learned from my mom about eight months ago. And I asked her why she hadn't told me before. And that was follow your heart, but don't leave your head behind. Oh,
0: mm, goodness me. You know, that's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Um, where did you think that that came from, from her to you?
1: I think she had realized, she realized that, I think she had just come to that learning herself. Yeah. I actually had her as a guest on my show. And that's when she told me that piece of advice. And I said, where was that when I was growing up? (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, as Michelle Obama, not to get political, because it's not a political comment, but just Michelle Obama said in her book, Becoming, We're Always in the Process of Becoming.
0: Oh, yes.
1: And I thought that was beautiful. And I feel like that's where it came from in my mom.
0: You know, I... um, mm -mm. I don't view Michelle Obama just because she was married to the a former president who I have to say I, I actually love. Me um, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, compared to today, but that's a yeah. whole other story. But yeah. Michelle um, could not be more real um, and her story more relatable. Um, and her, you know, I've read her book and, and I have her journal sitting right here by yeah. my desk. And um, I was so fortunate um, that she came and visited with us in Philadelphia um, a year, about a year or so ago. Um, And we need more Michelle Obamas.
1: Do we? I'll I'll give you an amen for that.
0: (laughs) You know, I mean, she just shows up. I mean, she shows up, she roots. And I mean, I think when we look back in history, she's going to be on that wall of change makers for the times. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, she just is really, I mean, she's just, I mean, I put her up there with Oprah and that could be controversial, but I mean, you know, people can think what they want to about Oprah Winfrey, but she is, um, has certainly made a mark on our world philanthropically, culturally, um, educationally, um, spiritually. I mean, you know, I mean, it didn't get any better when, um, Michelle and um, Michelle and Oprah sat down I believe it was in Chicago um, several maybe a couple months ago on Oprah's vision 2020 tour um, it's on it's on all over YouTube or on her channels um, um, and it really I, I I. it's my prayer for people like you and I uh, and like you know I'll put us in Michelle and Oprah's category let's do it, it is that we're, we are women leader change makers because we know that there's nothing that we need that we don't already have and that we're perfect as, just exactly as we are if we can just lean in to our unique brilliance. Mm-hmm. So, but, well, thank you so much. This has been a fascinating uh, conversation, Louise, and I'm so grateful that you've been able to join us today and that we've had the opportunity to share and commune over uplifting and empowering women across the globe of, you know, being the change that they want to see in the world and how they show up. Um, and you know, there, you know, if we do that every day, um, despite challenges, crisis, trials, and tribulations, um, it will be that we will, we're standing on the shoulders of those who've come before us and the next generation will stand on our shoulders. And so we all, in my view, have a responsibility um, to be there and show up in a very, very bold way.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, and thank you to you, Kimberly, for giving me the space to share and connect with you and your listeners.
0: Um, So in our part, last parting words, I want to, to give you an opportunity for our um, and our listeners an opportunity to connect with you, you know, if we have we have listeners in Canada all over and the United States and growing globally, and so I would love for you to share with us what is the easiest way for our listeners to connect with you.
1: Thank you. The easiest way would be one of two ways. LinkedIn is where I'm really active. I have a happy home on LinkedIn, so you can find me at Louise H. Reed, and it's R-E-I-D, or on my website, which is louisehreed.com.
0: Oh, very good, very good. Well, thank you so much. I, um, I could not be more grateful for your time and your sharing um, of yourself and your wonderful work that you're doing, and um, I thank you to our listeners who um, uh, keep showing up for us and give us feedback, which helps inform future programs. But this concludes this episode of our Change Makers um, program and our show. And until next time, please do be the change you want to see.